just invite you to that. Well, if you have your Bibles today, we're going to be uh, continuing in a series called We Are the Body of Christ. Look at your neighbor and say, you are the body of Christ. Come on, I like it, I like it. There's some enthusiasm here. Hallelujah. If you have your Bible, turn to Romans chapter 12 and Ephesians chapter 4. Romans 12 and Ephesians 4. We got lots of scripture today. I'm gonna I'm gonna walk you through this, teach you. Um, I, don't, I don't know. It may be like drinking out of a, a water hose today. Probably uh, for for some of you, you you probably uh, there's some people here today. I I would venture to guess you probably never heard a message like I'm gonna speak to you today. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna speak to you some truths. I'm gonna try to try to bring you into your place to help you understand some things from the scripture, but then understand how it all comes together as we are a part of the body of Christ. You see, here at Calvary, we know this because the Lord has been speaking to this uh, as a congregation. He said, I am moving you from being an observational church to an influential kingdom. And that is, listen, no more just good old country church, you know, no more just, hey, we just go and we just sing songs on a little out of tune piano, okay. I like all of that. I like to get, I like the country churches. I like to do all of that. I love, I love to get in there. But I, I refuse to be a church that just sits on the sideline while the world goes to hell. We're not going to do that. God is making all of us together, all of us together, part of an influential kingdom that is going to to have a dynamic impact that makes a historical mark on this region for his name's sake. Can I get an amen? amen? What you need to know about who you are as the body of Christ is that you are God's redemptive expression in the earth. Christ is the head of the church, but you as the body, you are an expression of his ministry of redemption. First, if you're in the body of Christ, you have been redeemed. Redeemed means I've been bought back from sin. I've been bought back from that slave market. I was in the chains of sin, but he came and paid the price to get me out of that bondage and to bring me into freedom because the scripture says, he who the son sets free is free indeed. Come on. And so you, you as one who is in the body, I'm, I'm just walking around a testimony that somebody can be free. I'm free. I'm set free. Just, I mean, you're in the body. People ought to say, wow, that is a person who is genuinely free, but it goes a step further. The expression of redemption through the body of Christ is not only passive in that we receive it, but it is also active that we give it. We give out the keys to redemption. We're the hands, the feet, the body of Christ who is reaching to a world still in chains. Saying, God is saying, come and be free. Come and receive the gift of Jesus and be set free. So we're his redemptive expression, both, both in receiving and reaching. And it's beautiful when you understand you're the body of Christ. And Romans 12 speaks of us as a body. It says, for each of us has one body with many members. And these members do not all have the same function. So in Christ, we, though many, form one body and each member belongs to all the others. 
We have different gifts according to the grace given to each one of us. If your gift is, is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it's serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's encourage, uh, if it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Notice what it says. It says, each of us uh, has one body, and these members do not all have the same function. And it goes on to say, and we, as the body of Christ, our members belong to one another. All right, now look at your neighbor again. We're going to talk to each other today. And now, now just look at him and say, I belong to you. <laughs> Do you believe it? Do you believe it? No, I know what you wanted to say. You belong to me, okay? <laughs> you belong to me. <laughs> but that's not the way of the kingdom, is it? That is not the way of the kingdom. The way of the kingdom is to, is the, to go the low road. We go the way of humility. And we say, no, 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 I'm not here to dominate. I am here to give. Now, each member belongs to all the others. Look around in here for a minute. Look around at these faces. Please, I want you to. I want you to see the faces of the ones who are given to each other. You need to see these people who, who are made for one another. You are. You are. You may not believe it. Some of you may not even want it. You look across, you say, oh, man, there they are. <laughs> they didn't see me, but I saw them acting up in that Walmart line. I don't want to belong to them. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. But we do. And if you're, listen, and according to this passage, if you are in the body of Christ, because of grace, you have a gift to give. You have, listen to me, a gift to give because of grace. You have a gift to give. Now, I know some of you immediately in your mind, you're like, well, when it comes to gifts, I got the short straw, okay? I don't feel like I got very much. Why don't, why don't, why don't you, again, look at your neighbor and just tell them, you have a gift. Now, because I know that most of you in this room are not so confident in to think that you could look at them and say, I have a gift. But if you hear somebody else say you have a gift, it could quite possibly stir into fullness and start to, and begin to take its place. Now, we, listen, this is so good. When you see the word grace, grace either means undeserved favor, which it does. It means the unmerited, undeserved favor of God. But here, grace also means a divine enablement to do. A divine enablement to do. So when grace comes on your life, you are not merely saved to sit. You are saved and enabled by grace to do something in the kingdom. And that's what knowing Christ is really all about. And our gifts are divine enablements. This is what it's mentioned. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. Now, 
We must use our gifts because of grace. And whatever you do, don't diminish your calling. Don't diminish your gifts. Why? Because 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 18, it says, it says this, But now God has set the members, listen, each one of them in the body as he pleased. He made you exactly how he wanted you. He gifted you that way. Listen, and it pleased him. It pleased him. You know what that means? That he looked at it and said, it's good. It's good. Matter of fact, I know it's good because 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7 says, Now, these gifts are given for the good of all. So I understand that the goodness of God is attached to the gifts that's, that are in you. Now, you may be this person, though, that's here today, and you say, Well, Pastor, uh, you say I have gifts. Well, I have no idea what they are, Okay. Well, this really isn't in the sermon, but can I just give you some practical tips about actually going on a journey, if you're born again, to actually discover your gifts. Okay, I'm just going to give you some practical. We have a whole class called Foundations. It's during this service. We want you to go through it. You go through that class, you will discover your gifts. But I'm going to give you some at-home assignment to help you activate your gift. Okay, first, read the Bible. You will be so surprised at what happens on the inside of you when you get those holy vitamins on the inside in your spirit. What wakes up? What comes alive? You're like, oh, I didn't even know I could feel so good. Will you just read the word of God and get his words on the inside? And then secondly, why don't you ask him? Why don't you ask God, God, how have you gifted me? Most of us don't pray that way. We, we usually pray, our first prayer of the day is, oh God, I'm late. <laughs> not, not some of you. <laughs> yeah. You know, our prayers are, are not, uh, not, uh, not friendship questions. Did you, know, did you know that asking God how he made you is a friendship question that you can have with God? And he says, I don't call you servants. I call you friends. So we just ask him. And then the third thing you can do to help discover your gift is to begin to serve. Get involved in any area where there's a need. Whatever you do, don't just sit and pray and just go, you know what, God, what, my, what's my gift? What my, what's my gift? What's my gift? What's my gift? What's my gift? And you never step into anything. Why don't you step into a ministry and just go find out? Why don't you dare to serve in the youth ministry or the children's ministry or the benevolent ministry on Thursday? Why don't you just go ahead and step out? And it could be that you will discover, ooh, no way, I wasn't made for that. But it could be that you started functioning in something, even, even as you say, there, 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 something started to come alive in me when I was teaching, when I was discipling, when I was doing this. Something came alive. Why? So don't just sit, serve. Otherwise, you'll, you, it could just pass you by. That's why we're doing launch. We want you to really discover what's going on on the inside of you. Now, some of you kind of know already. You kind of know how you're gifted. Maybe, maybe, maybe you do. But let's, let's, let's be honest. We kind of, many people feel this way. I don't feel like I'm ready. I've heard that a lot. I don't feel like I'm ready. So then let's ask the next question. How do I grow in my gifting so I actually get to the place where I'm a little more effective? I'm going to give you two points today. One is kind of long and the other is really short. 
The first one is this. How do you grow in your gifting? And this is, this is how you grow. You grow by connecting to a gift. You grow in connection to a gift. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 4 and you'll begin to understand what I mean by this. To each, uh, but to each one of us, grace, here it is, that divine empowerment to do, has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. Look at verse 10 through 13. So Christ himself, he's going to now describe the gifts, gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for the works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So here's what he says. He's, this is what Ephesians 4 says. That when Christ ascended 10 days before Pentecost, when he ascended, he led captives. That means this. Everything that had been working against the people of God, especially death. People were terrified in fear of death. He even led death captive. Why? He was raised from the dead. And he ascended, and as he's ascending, it says, he gave gifts to men. But what were those gifts? Were they just divine enablements? No. He actually, Jesus gave people to the church. This is a, a, a famous passage, Ephesians chapter 4. Many people call it the fivefold ministry. The fivefold ministry, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And they are gifts. And by the way, this is just for those of you who are Bible nerds like me, you'll just love this. Did you know that the whole Trinity gets involved in gift giving? The whole Trinity does. Romans chapter 12, you see the Father giving gifts. That's Romans 12. In Ephesians chapter 4 that we just read, we find Jesus giving gifts. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and 14, you find the Holy Spirit giving gifts. Boy, I tell you what, God loves giving gifts. He's committed to it. So all of you people who say, I don't have a gift. Oh, I don't know about that because you don't know God. If you don't have a gift, it's because you don't know God because God is busy giving gifts. So... I want you to see how, now this is super high level, super high level. So all my theologians in here, it's really high level. We could spend an hour on each one. We're not going to do that. I want you to see how you can grow in your gifting as you grow in connection to a gift. As you grow in connection to these five gifts that are given. Now, before I get there, before I start talking about the benefits of being connected, I want you to understand that we at Calvary Church utterly reject the idea and the false premise that somehow apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers are those who are above everybody else. That is nonsense and heresy. 
Somebody comes up to me and says, I want to be your armor bearer. I'm looking right back at them and I'm saying, no, thank you. I'm wearing it. I want to carry your Bible. No, thank you. I have a backpack. Don't carry my Bible. Carry yours. I love honor. Believe me. I love honor. And I want you to honor people. I want you to honor people who are, who've been called to, to really serve you. I want you to honor them. Why? Because then the gifting in them comes alive. And you are, you are blessed in a greater measure. I want you to do that. But this, this whole idea that this is somehow announcing a top-down hierarchical, uh, hierarchical system, it is upside down. Here's what we are called to do as a gift. I love saying this. I am God's gift to you. I am, I am, but not so I'm over you. It's so I can get under you to lift you into your calling, to cause the gifts in you to come alive and flourish. That's what I'm called to do. So um, as, you, as we look at these today, I want you to see them that there's a benefit from really being connected. Church, this is why... Going to church once a month isn't good for your spiritual health because you grow as you're connected to these gifts. Now, let's look at what happens in our life through these five ministries. Now, I'm not talking about the 12 original apostles, okay, but, but the, the office of apostleship still exists today. It still moves in function. And I want you to say, okay, what happens when I connect to apostolic ministry. Let's look at these five things. And I'll show this to, I'll show this to you. It says um, that this is the divine leadership within the church. And when you connect to the apostolic, write this down, you grow in alignment and order. You grow in alignment and order. When you see the apostles going out in the, uh, in the early days, here's what they did. They found a community, they preached the gospel, and they established a church. Now, what did they do? There were some behind-the-scenes things that they did in order uh, to, uh, they appointed leaders, and, and they, they certainly gave them a structure. But more than that, on a grander scale, here's what you need to understand. Apostolic ministry looks at regions without the influence of Jesus and says, that is out of order. That is out of order. And I want to tell you that that is why we are still committed to world missions. Because there's still people without a clear gospel representation. There are still regions without churches that need to be reached. And I want to tell you, the greatest right on the earth is the right to know God through Christ. Jesus purchased that right in his own blood. And it is out of order that any region should exist without a church bringing heavenly order there. And God uses the, the apostolic to bring that order. But let's make it very personal. When you connect to real apostolic uh, ministry, you also get alignment and order personally. Here's what I mean. Years ago, I heard a message um, 
from a man named Damon Thompson, and he spoke. The title of it was called Glory Follows Order. And in it, he began to describe in great detail about how God gave instruction to Moses on how to build the tabernacle and how, for those who understand building, he actually built it backwards. He started with the furniture. Matter of fact, he started with the Ark of the Covenant, which is the one piece of furniture which was in the very, very center. So he starts building the furniture, and then he steps out, steps out, and steps out until the tabernacle is finished. And he built it. He said, this is the kind of uh, skins I want it. This is the color I want it. This is how you... He says, first, you, you're going to build the Ark of the Covenant, and then the lampstand, and then a table of showbread. And it goes, and it, it's going to be dark in there and you're going to hold it this way and it's going to be this size. It's very, very specific. And after they put the things in order, here's what happened. The fire of God came down from heaven upon the altar and the glory of God came on that tabernacle. And what I want to say to you is as you and I begin to grow in connection to God's gifts, things start to come into alignment that make us ready for a wind of God's spirit to blow in our life and a fire to burn on the altars of our life. This is what happens. There's an order that comes. It's putting God first. It's getting things properly aligned. It's apostolic ministry in nature. It's understanding that we need it. We need it so much that Ephesians 2 says, Consequently, you're no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens of God's people and also members of his household built on the what? Foundation. The foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus as the chief cornerstone. Let's look. Let's look how we grow as we connect to the prophets. Here's how, you, here's how you grow as you connect to prophetic ministry, which exists today. Not Old Testament prophet, New Testament. You grow in hearing God. You grow in hearing God. Jesus said this in G, uh, John chapter 10, verse 27. He said, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. He said, my sheep know my voice. But if I took a poll in here, probably the greatest struggle that happens many times in the lives of the believer, and I've heard it many, many times, is that, is that we say, well, I'm having trouble hearing God. Well, do you know God's answer to that struggle is a person called that is gifted prophetically to hear the voice of God? Did you know that? They're not to hear it for you. They are to actually equip you to be able to hear him for yourself. Now, do we function in prophet? This is how I'm gifted. I'm gifted prophetically. I'm a, kind of a prophet and pastor, and I serve in that role. Uh, and so I hear the voice of God, which means that primarily when you really press in to the ministry here at Calvary, your spiritual ears are going to be opened. Your eyes will be opened to the revelation of who God is. And you will begin to hear God like never before. Notice what it says in Acts 2.18. It says, it says, even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. Prophesy means I say what God is saying. How many of you know I can never say what God is saying unless I have heard what he said? 
So when you come and you begin to get equipped by prophetic ministry and you start to hear the Lord like never before, uh, you then begin to say things that God is saying and you begin to function like that, which is, by the way, not weird, it's rare. It's not weird, it's rare. If any of you think the gold that you own is weird, I'll take it. It's not weird, it's rare, and that makes it valuable. All right, let's look at the next one. Apostles, prophets, evangelists. Now, when I say the word evangelist, here's what you think. Oh, an evangelist is, we're going to just have a big meeting, and we're going to bring all the people, and all the people are going to get saved. Well, uh, that does happen, but he is functioning in his in his gifting, but he's not functioning in the fullness of the calling of his gifting. Why? He's functioning in his gifting in obedience to Christ. Many people are coming to Christ. But in order for an evangelist to genuinely come into the fullness of his calling, he's equipping you to preach the gospel. He's equipping you to reach other people. He's actually building you up. He comes under you and you, man, maybe you hear something and he, he teaches you a principle or, or a strategy and you're like, man, I find myself sharing that with people all the time. And that's what an evangelist does. An evangelist isn't just a convincing arguer. No, no, an evangelist is one who comes alongside to equip every single person in the body of Christ to be a voice. I love what the Apostle Paul said to Timothy. He says, but you keep your head in all situations. Can we just stop there? How many of you need that as a word from the Lord right now? Y'all been watching the news. Here's the Apostle Paul speaking from 2,000 years ago. Uh, keep your head, church, in all situations. You want to know what to do? Keep your head in all Endure hardship. And here it is. Here it is. Do the work of an evangelist. Timothy was a pastor. Paul says, do the work of an evangelist. What is he to do? He says, I want you to raise up the people that you have been called to, to send them out, sharing the gospel everywhere that they go. Make them a herald, equip them to go because I want them all to go. By the way, don't just think that the evangelist is the one that's called to preach the gospel because God gave us all the great commission, but it's the evangelist who equips us for that moment. And we grow when we connect to that gift. Now next, as a pastor, when we connect to pastors, you grow in care for God's people. You grow in care for God's people. Notice what Jesus said as the greatest pastor who ever lived. And I'm going to use another word which is synonymous with pastor. Jesus said, he said, I am the good shepherd. And the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. When you begin to receive from someone who is pastorally gifted, many of our, uh, 
our, our life group leaders, they have a pastoral gifting that is on them. They gather and they care. They genuinely care about are you healthy in your walk with God. When you begin to be nourished by them, you will care more. Why? Because I was strengthened and I was edified in that gift. I was built up in that gift. And Jesus is the ultimate example of this. I love this, that the scripture goes on to say in Ephesians chapter 5, speaking of pastoral care, growing in care. After all, no one ever hated his own body, but they feed and care for their body just as Christ does the church for we are members of his body. Did you know he's still feeding you and he's still caring for you? And since, since he's still feeding you and still caring for you, we still ought to be caring for people and feeding them both eternal food and literal food. You grow when you come into, into connection with a pastor. And the last one is teacher. Now, I love this because I say this at the end because I wanted you to have all the normal thoughts that you have. So I, I, I say the word teacher, and I know that many of you think, oh, that's very boring. This is the boring guy. This is the boring woman. No, 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 no. All five of these gifts are spirit-filled, spirit-led, full of supernatural signs and wonders. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers all function and flow in what Jesus commanded. He said, preach the gospel freely you have received. He said, freely give. Raise the dead. Heal the sick. Even you who are called to teach line upon line. So when you come into real connection, it's not saying, hey, by the way, few of these walk in the supernatural. The other guys are just fuddy-duddies. No. No. They are all anointed by God's spirit to do what God has called them to do. And when you come into connection with someone who teaches the word of God, here's what he does. He helps you to understand God's word. You understand God's word in a new way. Notice the Apostle Paul operated in this. I want to show you this. this is so beautiful. The Apostle Paul gets sent out to the Gentiles. He is a Jew of Jews. I mean, he's trained under Gamaliel, which was Gamaliel in Israel was considered a Jew anointed by God to give special revelation of the Torah. He was only one of about five in the region. He was amazing. This is who Paul was trained under. And Paul has this wonderful revelation. Now the gospel's not only going to Jews, it's going to the Gentiles. And he's getting the word out to the Ephesians. Now, look at how he operates in teaching. He said, surely you have heard about the administrations of God's grace. Here it is. The grace, the gift that was given to me. Who's it for? For you. It was given to me for you. That is 
the mystery made known to me by, by revelation. So here he is. I received a revelation from God, insight from God. Then what did he do after that? As I have already written briefly, notice what the church did. In reading this then, you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ. There were, he had a revelation, he wrote, they read, and then they understood. It was, they didn't have understanding before, but when he operated in a teaching gift, the body of Christ understood, and then they, as the Ephesians church, could come into the fullness of God's plan. This is why you have to connect to the gifts Jesus has given. Jesus gives these gifts. And I know some of you have said, well, you know, I don't need to go to church to be a Christian. Okay, maybe you can go to heaven. You just won't be equipped when you get there. Not according to what Jesus wrote in Ephesians chapter 4. This is why we need each other. We belong to one another. And then the next thing, which I'll close with this. If you really want to grow in your gifting, you need to grow in your love for the body. Read the rest of Ephesians, Ephesians 4. Read the rest on your own. Go back, read Ephesians 4. You'll find out that we are knitted to him who is the head of the body in love. It's all in love. And I want you to see this, that your religious titles and your religious history, it means nothing because we, we find out in Galatians that it, the, the scripture says, he says that uncircumcision and, and circumcision, they avail nothing. This is Galatians 5. But, he says, those external things, they mean nothing. But here's what means something. Faith, confidence in God, relationship with God, working. How's it work? By love. Did you know that your gifts won't work at full capacity without love? Until you really love the people who are around you, when you get into love, it is amazing the gifts that will begin to thrive. I, be, I used to take teams of young people, uh, and we would go and minister. Uh, I'm, the one that comes to mind is Colorado, and I would look them in the eye, and I would say, listen, you're, some of you are, are wondering, will God speak to me as I go to pray for people? Will God give me a prophetic word? We were all trained in the prophetic. We could all hear the voice of God. But in those moments, you step there, and you don't have the word. You don't know the words to say. You don't know how to pray or what to pray. But this is what I told him. I said, here's all you got to do. You got to look them in the eye and in your own heart. Say, God, would you fill my heart with your love for them? And then out of that love, would you let your words flow to them so that they will be ministered and edified and built up? And every time we did that, God would flow like a river. I remember one time I took a young man and he was, he was just doing that very thing, loving on a person. And he said, how can I pray for you? And the woman said, I don't, I'm not going to tell you. Like she was going to test us about whether or not we were prophetic. She said, I'm not going to tell you. And here he is, a young man, probably 20 years old at the time. And he said, okay. And he began to pray and intercede. 
and he's crying out over her, and he just began to let the love of God flow through him. And then he looked her right in the eye, and he said, and now I curse the throat cancer that's attacking you. And by revelation, God showed him the cancer that was attacking her throat. In an instant, the power of God hit her, and she fell to the ground, and God touched her life on the spot. And that was a moment where the love of God led him to a moment where the power of God could flow through him. And church, our community needs the power of God, but it flows when we love. Jesus modeled this. Jesus modeled this. You know what the, the 1 Corinthians chapter 13 says? As, as it's describing all of the great power, right in the middle we find the love chapter and we, 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 we hear it. But we need to internalize it. It says, though I speak with the tongues of angels and of men, but have not love, I have become a sounding brass and clanging cymbal. Though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, but have not love, I'm nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. Our gifts are useless without love. But if you want to grow in your gifting, then begin to saturate that seed in the atmosphere of love and watch it come alive. Jesus said this in John 13, 35. He says, by this, all will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. He said, by this, they will know you are, notice these words, my disciples. Not somebody else's disciple, not the world's disciples, not a political party's disciples. He said, you, they will know that you are my disciples. Why? By the love that you show one another. By the love that you show. It will be the mark that unlocks everything else. He is saying, this is how I operated. Notice. This is how Jesus operates toward us. Jesus himself is a gift to the whole world. He's always been a gift. Scripture says he was the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. He was completely empowered and ready in heaven to be used. But do you know the atmosphere in which the gifting on Jesus' life was given? Love. John 3, 16. For God so loved that he gave. Again, here he is giving gifts. God so loved the world that he gave his only son, only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. The seed of Jesus bathed in love. I tell you, love activated everything that was in Jesus. And you need to know this. Jesus today still loves you. Everything that's in Jesus, all the redemption, all the freedom, all the salvation, all the forgiveness, all the new life, it's bathed in love. He wants you to have the new life, but it's coming through love. It's coming through love. It's coming by love through grace. Undeserved favor. Why? Because love 
always gives grace. This is our God. And God is calling us, church, in this hour. He says, I want to move you out. I want to move you deeper. It's time you grow in your gifting. Bathe it in love, just like Jesus did. And as